You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Uh, No Scott today. He'll be in, I think, tomorrow. Um, So it's just uh, Tommy. And yours truly for the next hour and a half or so. And we've got a we got a whole bunch of things to talk about. We're not completely organized today, but we know what we want to start with. Yes. But it's one of those days where I think we're just going to wing it and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Death and destruction keeps getting in the way of us. <laughs> it really has it this really week. It really does. It really has this week. Uh, we won't get into the details on that. Um, right. All right, Greg Minuski is back. Uh, Les Carpenter broke the news yesterday, Washington Post, uh, that Les Carpenter, uh, I'm sorry, Greg Minuski is going to be retained as the you Redskins know, defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised uh, that uh, you would be so big as to give Les Carpenter credit for breaking the story. That's, all right, enough of that. I don't. You know, I mean, you could have just said it's been reported. Uh, or something like that. I think that's the way probably a lot of people do it. Yeah. And and I sometimes do it that way if I don't know. Right. But I know that now. Okay. Okay, see, there's a big difference in knowing who broke the story and where it came from <laughs> and not knowing. When you know, you should probably give credit. Anyway, uh, Les Carpenter um, did break the news that Greg Minuski is being retained. In the story, there were a couple of interesting things in the story. This paragraph, quote, A person with knowledge of Washington's offseason plans said Coach Jay Gruden was looking for, quote, different perspectives, closed quote, in the conversations with outside coaches. The team is keeping Minuski in part because Gruden wants to keep continuity with a young defense that showed promise last year. So the reports of conversations or meetings, depending on which prospect or which, I'm sorry, perspective they were trying to get. Uh, Todd Bowles, Greg Williams, and uh, Steve Wilkes. Apparently Gruden was just looking for outside perspectives. Tell me what you think about defense and our defense, because we're going to keep Greg. Of course we're keeping Greg. He's done a phenomenal job. I'm just looking to get some ideas and, and bounce some ideas off of you. That's what they were doing. Yeah, and Todd Bowles, being an NFL head coach, as recently as a month ago, said, sure, I'll come to Redskins Park and I'll tell you everything I know. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll share everything I know with you just because I'm a nice guy. It's. I mean, you're not going to hire me? That's fine. That's okay. I'll come. I guess, you know. I'll talk. I guess I'll credit the effort to try to save face on the awkward position they've put Greg Minuski in over the last couple of weeks. Um, and potentially they put them put him in this position uh, position of of feeling like they're trying to replace him, not on their own doing. You know, these are reports that have come out about Bowles being here, Wilkes being here, or conversations with. Excuse me. Um, same with uh, Greg Williams. The team hasn't announced any of that. No, they've been trying to do that in private. I'm sure, um, but there have been uh, different reports about the conversations, etc. But you know. Jay Gruden wasn't trying to get different perspectives. Nobody believes that. They were trying to hire Greg Minuski's replacement. That's what they were trying to do. And none of the three people, the big names that they've talked to, the the names that we know based on reports, 
if we believe the reports that they've had conversations with, well, none we'll of them to, we'll get to that. None of them wanted to coach here. They wanted to coach elsewhere. There were better opportunities for them. The better opportunities, just so everybody's clear on this, were Tampa, Cleveland, and the Jets. Yes. I just want to make that clear that Tampa, Cleveland, and the New York Jets were better opportunities for all three of these coaches than Washington was. We're not talking about the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Packers. Right. The Jets, Browns, and Bucks. Now, a lot of that was because of relationships. Clearly, Todd Bowles and his relationship with Bruce Arians. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, you wanted to say what? I've got one other thing from Les Carpenter's story, but it's not necessarily related to this specific uh, issue. The the whole Greg Williams thing is driving me crazy. Why? Because I've looked everywhere uh, online through various reports, and I can't see anyone who actually reported that the Redskins spoke to Greg Williams. Every report is either about the Redskins want to have a conversation with Greg Williams, the Redskins are pursuing Greg Williams, and I would say to that, I wanted to have a conversation with Greg Williams, and I was pursuing Greg Williams. (laughs) And, And I may have had just as much luck as the Washington Redskins, I have not seen anything to indicate that the Redskins didn't, actually didn't talk. JP report it? No, no, <clears throat> he didn't. He reported that the Redskins were pursuing him, that the Redskins wanted to talk to him. Did you listen to his podcast? I did not listen to his podcast, but I read the uh, blog item he wrote, mm-hmm. which which laid out the case. Uh, <laughs> actually, J- so. JP was JP had some information. This would have been on Friday or Monday. I think it's Friday. No, maybe it's Monday. I don't know when it was. Whenever it was, the information was that Greg Williams had not did not have a done deal with the Jets, which I think was presumed. Yes. Right. Okay. So uh, he didn't have the deal done with the Jets, and he did say his report, at least on Twitter, is that the Redskins were trying to secure a meeting. Right. Before anything with the Jets went final. Me too. I was trying to get a meeting too. (laughs) Okay. But with respect to the Redskins and Greg Williams, yeah, I don't think that anybody, Adam Schefter was the one that also had something on that. But I don't think anybody reported that actually Greg Williams ever met with the Redskins. It was just the Redskins were interested in meeting with uh, and having a conversation with Greg Williams. Right. So, I mean, I I just think... Yeah, even Schefter. Here's Schefter. Washington also pursued uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams per sources, but Adam Gase and the Jets wanted Williams more. Yeah, so... I wonder what that means. Do you think it's a money thing? think Bruce got cheap again? Now Gase and Williams form a formidable tandem, writes uh, Adam Schefter. Okay. I'm just very... So why is this a big deal? Well, because because I I think it's... I think it, it reeks of the Redskins trying to put a message out there that look at what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring Greg Williams here. We're trying to really pursue the hottest defensive coordinator out there. Even though, Kevin, in your wildest dreams, would Greg Williams ever want to play for the pit, a coach for the Washington Redskins for this owner? No, it's in my wild dreams okay. only. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, does, it doesn't make sense despite the, the blog item on NBC uh, Sports Washington that lays out the case on why Greg Williams should want to coach for the Washington Redskins. I don't know how anyone 
would, would buy into the notion that anyone, let alone Greg Williams, would want to take a job here since apparently nobody does. So I, that, it just bothers me that I think I, it, it reeks of the Redskins creating a message that's not true. I guess that's – I mean, that, I, that seems totally reasonable. I mean, at the same time, you know, if they – really had no intention of offering Greg Williams a deal or they knew Greg Williams wouldn't come here, then they put themselves into the position of having to put this out through Les Carpenter, which is, no, Gruden, we weren't looking to hire a defensive coordinator. We were just looking for people with different perspectives. So they had to circle back if that was if the intention was to let their fan base know, hey, we're trying to get a top-flight defensive coordinator in here. Yeah. But they knew that they couldn't either attract a top-flight defensive coordinator, weren't willing to pay a defensive coordinator like Greg Williams the going rate, or they really didn't want a top-flight defensive coordinator. Then they put themselves into a position of having to circle back and say, no, we weren't actually looking for a new defensive coordinator. We were just Jay, – Jay just wanted different perspectives from defensive people. Well, I would assume then – if they were just looking to pick the brains of these defensive geniuses, then I would assume Minuski would have been in on the meetings because <laughs> because what's the point of 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 Jay sitting in on the meeting by himself and then having to turn around and tell Minuski everything that these guys told? I him? know. Hey, Greg, look, we're not we're not trying to replace you. Just wanted to get some different perspectives. Yeah. Do you want? We've got a meeting at two o'clock today. Come on, Come conference on, call in. with Take Steve. Take some notes. Bring your pad and pencil. <laughs> Take some notes. I don't think he was involved, is my guess. No, but but again, some but things, the, things get lost okay, in the translation. So, so look, the Greg bo- has to turn, uh, Jay has to turn around now and pass on the information to Manuski. Okay, well, which is it? Were they just trying to create the perception that they were interested in a top flight defensive coordinator, or were they really trying to hire Greg Manuski's replacement? I think it's a combination of both. I think the Greg Williams is the perception. Uh, I think I think the other guys. Uh, they were really trying to, and in part, they're doing this in part because they don't want to wind up in the same situation that landed Greg Minuski here. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, they tried to pursue guys like Vic Fangio right. and others the last time, and nobody would take the job. So they had to. They looked around the room and they said, "Okay, who do we got in here can be the defensive coordinator? Greg Minuski." That's what they did. Man. So so basically, they didn't want to have to do that again. So they didn't want to let Minuski go and actually go through a real legitimate job search. So, you know, they, they kept him dangling and, and they, they put their foot in the water trying to look for a defensive guy because they didn't want to have the same process that got Greg Minuski the job. You know, this really, I know we've talked a lot about this, but it is now really evident you know, before at times it's always been just what we've assumed as fans, that the Redskins are toxic and that no one wants to come here and work here. And those that are here um, would prefer to be elsewhere. Now we, we're in this, you know, brief off season so far for them anyway. And there's evidence of this. They can't hire a defensive coordinator to replace Greg Minuski because the top defensive coordinators do not want this job over 
also what I would refer to as lesser job opportunities, but this one's even less attractive than the Jets, Browns, and Bucks. And look, I, I get it. The, the, the Browns situation's pretty good, and the Jets have some young the defensive Jets have talent. A quarterback. But the Redskins actually have, you know, some young defensive talent. They like, have a defensive if you core. Were, if you were looking at a, a team that needed a defensive coordinator and you were looking for a decent situation, you could do a lot worse than Washington right now as it relates to talent. As it relates to the roster. So, you know, it's all speaking to no one wants to come and work for Dan or Bruce. And, you know, the other part of it, too, to be fair, is that they probably look at Jay Gruden as, you know, in essence, a guy going into the final year and that there are going to be massive changes a year from now anyway and that there would be great risk to come here versus go where there are brand new coaches in Cleveland, New York, and Tampa where those coaches are going to get a few years to make it work. Jay is entering more likely than not. You know, he will be he'll be in the top five of hot seat coaches oh, when yeah. the season starts. Absolutely. Now the So now, there's some there's some of that involved as well. Yes, there is. But there's evidence here, Tommy. How about uh, uh Grant's report that Olivadotti's looking want, to move? And, and, hot week has already yeah, moved. Now, take lateral moves. Here here was uh, another piece to the Les Carpenter story, the, the, the second piece that I wanted to read. Uh, This is uh, another paragraph. The Redskins are also working on a new contract for defensive line coach Jim Tomsula, whose deal expired at season's end and who has been rumored to be looking elsewhere. So Tomsula, who I have heard over the last year, is by far and away the most popular coach on the staff. Okay. The most beloved coach on the staff by his individual unit. You know, John Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, etc. They love Tom Sula. Love him. And apparently, according to everybody that knows, he's a very, very good position coach. So this is the this is the first I had heard that there was the possibility that he would retire, but but Carpenter writes or he refers to rumors about him looking elsewhere too. Well, and I and uh, I and I know report, and I know Callahan would prefer to be elsewhere. Well, the latest reports are that they're working on a contract extension for Tom Sula. Yeah. And yeah. as far as Callahan, who's the uh coach with uh with Sean McVay who's going to get hired uh as the head coach, Zach Taylor? Yeah, Zach Taylor. Okay. Uh the reports are that he wants Callahan on his staff. Right. Callahan was his coach when he played football at Nebraska. Uh so uh Callahan's probably gone. And that, that you know, there's a lot of people who say good riddance for a lot of different reasons. I don't know the situation it's, well enough it's, to it's say not that. A, it's not been a great situation, no. um, apparently, with Callahan. Uh, you know, we'll leave it at that. I mean... Now, but, but he was a, a Jay guy. I mean, not a Jay guy, but he was a, a Bruce guy. He was a Bruce guy. Yeah. Well, almost everybody's a Bruce guy somehow. Yeah, that's somehow. true. Um, Are so, you a Bruce guy? <laughs> So I'm I mean, and, and there are other coaches that are potentially looking to move on as well. I don't think that all of these situations have even been. Um, to, I don't. I think there are other situations that are going to going to emerge here. And if they don't, then they were close to people wanting. People want to move on from this situation. I, I don't want to. I think that most of it is about just the the organization and people realize after being here, God, it's even worse than it's been discussed well, from the know, outside. You know, but, but Le- another Levero pa- rule. <laughs> yeah, it's if always worse look than it looks. Bad from the outside, they're much worse. But I also think that you know, from a 
from an employment standpoint and from an opportunity standpoint, if you're in Washington right now with Jay Gruden going into what for all intents and purposes could be called a lame duck year, you're looking for, and with all of these different changes and new opportunities, and we've had a lot of coaching changes, there may be just a better opportunity for a fresh start somewhere else rather than looking for it a year from now, which is more likely than not going to be the case. Yeah. Now, what was interesting in in the stories and and uh, various reports about uh, how, you know, in actually in the one particular story about how Greg Williams should take this job here in Washington, this shows you how warped the organization is. The biggest sales pitch would be, this would be his best opportunity to be a head coach. <laughs> think about that. I know. And that's probably true. Although I don't think he's ever going to be a head coach because of Bounty Gate. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if, if the organization is so messed up that you would take that job figuring I'm going to be the head coach in a year, that just shows you how messed up the organization is. And let me just – Read, you know, on cigarettes, they have the Surgeon General's warning Mm -hmm. now and all that. Let me do the Lavero uh, uh, General warning about the Washington Redskins. It doesn't matter who the coaches are. It doesn't matter who the coaching staff is made up of. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I I, I don't think anybody disagrees with you anymore. I don't think anybody disagrees with you. They may be a little bit better. They may be a little bit worse. But real change, real progress, doesn't matter. No, um, the the there's very there there aren't many directions to go other than the one that we've always advocated, which is you know you fire Bruce Allen, you uh, you take the blame for the record uh, on and off the field, and you pay somebody a fortune and give that person contractual autonomy to come in and run the organization. Right. That that's about the only chance you have because he's not going to sell the team. Dan, you get on that new yacht that that, that that's coming to you. You got a big and, one, didn't he? And you sail the world for two years. Come back and if if you pick the right person, and that's a big if. Uh it won't be any worse. No. It, it can't be worse. No. But it is we have reached, I think, a, a point in which we haven't been before where it's not just discussion about you know what the rest of the league's owners and front office executives and coaches think of the Redskins. There's now just evidence everywhere you turn. No one wants to come here, and the people that are here would prefer to move on. That's where you are right so now. Is, um, is there any flame to light under this fan base for Kyler, next season. Kyler Murray. That's it, right? That That's their only card. A quarterback in general okay. at 15 or yeah. higher, but Kyler Murray in particular would be... The only, it, the would only, make, it would make it worth paying attention to. Yes, but that's it. That's I mean, it. they have nothing else left right now. That's it. Uh, there was a... Um, I showed this to you before the show Aaron and I did. There was this uh, poll, I guess, or it was an article written on MSN... And it was ranking the top 20 most hated companies in America. Well, these are companies, right? Companies. So these are businesses. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no sports teams on there, are there? There is. There's one sports yeah. team on the list of really? 20. There's like, one. Like the Cowboys? Uh, no, yeah, that would be a good guess. The Yankees? No, it's not the Yankees either. So the number one most hated company in America is Facebook. 
All right, number two, uh, number two, where was this list here? Okay, number two is, uh, I just went from one story to the next. Hold on here for number a second. Number two is Eli Lilly. Eli Lilly's number two. What happened to my list here? I just completely lost the list. Aaron, what's number three? Number three is Vice, Vice News. Yeah. Number four is, four is Juul. Right, the vape e-cigarette thing. Yeah, and number five is uh, a company you might have heard of. The Washington Redskins. There you go. Number five, baby. In your dark hearts. All right, I found it. Here it is. Yeah, Aaron just gave you the top five. Uh, Facebook, Eli Lilly, Vice, uh, Jewel, and the fifth most hated company in America. Uh, company and the only sports team in this countdown of the, of the top 20 on MSN.com are your Washington Redskins. That's, and, and that's he, incredulous. And here's what's written about it. The Washington Redskins had a rough 2018 both on and off the field. The team continues to face criticism for the name Redskins, which, by the way, you know what? It does, but it's really been tamped down. Don't you yeah, think? It's been I tamped mean, down, but this you know is what? So, this is so gratuitous. It's so it's it's such a default for anybody that doesn't really have all of the details about what's made them so hated because it's it's always going to come back to the name. Yeah, I know that, but Kevin, it, it, I mean, it may have tamped the, the movement may have uh, may have tamped down a little bit, but I I think we tend to underestimate. Uh, how it's still un- un- underlying out there, whether it's fair Where, or not, I think we tend to underestimate it's, it. It's an interesting question. I'm going to stop right there. I'll read the rest of this in a moment. Okay. But among the consumers of the Redskins, all right, the fan base, present and used to be, uh, are they? What are the reasons that they are detested? Oh, I where think, is the name I, for I the fan the, base? I think the name is low on that list. Oh, very low but on that. Where this, is where they're is not it? polling the Washington Redskins uh, fans? I understand. Here. Well, they are to a certain degree because it's the most hated companies. Right. Hated by whom? Consumers. Yes. In in this particular case, where are most of the Redskins customers? Well, they're Redskin fans to begin with. Whether they live here no, or they live elsewhere, there's a lot they of were people, Redskin fans at one point. I'm sure Vice News isn't on there. Be, uh, just based on the viewers of Vice News. Okay, that's fair enough. But uh, among the the conventional list of Redskins customers, past and present, if you say, if you answer the question, do you like them or hate them, and you say you hate them, what is the reason? The re- the name isn't even in the top. It's not in the top five it's, of reasons, uh, and it's barely in the top ten. I agree with okay, that. Okay, good. I but, just wanted to make that point. But this is different. Okay. This is different. Well, it I'm may saying or may not be. that uh, among among society, among a larger audience, this always simmers. Okay. Well, it's no, it simmers among the a significant tiny minority of the larger audience that is loud and cause well, based. It put them on the top. It helped put okay. them in the top five list of most well, hated. I companies. guess it did. You know, and if maybe if if MSN took this reason out, the Redskins wouldn't be in the top twenty. Maybe. Uh, I'll read the rest of it. The Redskins had a rough 2018 both on and off the field. The team continues to face criticism for the name Redskins, which many consider to be a racial slur. 
In May, several cheerleaders came forward and accused the franchise of degrading treatment, including being forced to pose partially nude for a photo shoot and act as personal escorts for male sponsors during a 2013 team-organized trip to Costa Rica. The team disputed these accounts. Washington took even more heat in November after acquiring linebacker Reuben Foster on waivers after he was arrested on domestic violence charges. His second arrest for a violent, uh, violent incident, though both charges have been dropped. The team's safety, Monte Nicholson, was also arrested on assault charges in December. Boy, you know, the Monte Nicholson thing doesn't get thrown into the top no. d- of, of the reasons no. anyway. What, what's missing from this little uh, this write-up on why they're hated is because they, uh, among their, their, their consumers, is that they, they're mediocre to bad year in and year out, um, and their organization is run b- b- based on the, the, uh, on a lot of tangible evidence and, and fan reaction and perception in a totally incompetent way. And tone deaf. Year and tone deaf. And then there's the off-the-field tone deafness yeah. stuff. So, I mean, look, I, I, among Redskins fans, they would have a different set of criteria. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the fact that they make a list, they're the only sports organization to make the list. Yeah, I mean, who, I mean, the Cowboys. They're may be the most, airlines. The Cowboys may be the most popular, but they're also among the most hated. So are the Yankees. You know, I, I have one concern I'm going to share with you about the future of the team that at some point something big's going to happen here, right? In the next few years, it's going to have to because the if they you know if they have another tone deaf. Seven and nine, six and ten, five and eleven type of season next year and the year after. Something, something big is coming in terms of change. It has to, because the you know the the fifteen TV ratings are soon going to be elevens and twelves, and the you know the the this forty the fifty three thousand that show up is soon going to be thirty eight thousand yeah. at the stadium, and and some at some point Snyder is going to have to create big change what this is a true concern of mine and I just I fear that at some point down the road he will have to cave to the name change not because there is a majority of people or a majority of Native Americans that are asking for this because as we know all of the polling suggests the opposite but because it'll be part of a big move to shake up the whole you know sort of toxic personality of the organization and he may just say f it let's just change the name to go along with this new gm that i've hired and this new coach and this new stadium that we just got a deal for let's go for it now i don't personally as a lifelong fan of the team i don't think there's ever been a need for changing the name and i don't ever want the name change unless unless of course as you and i've had this conversation zillions of times over the years unless the actual real facts indicated that it was really hurtful to an entire group of people which none of the polling has ever suggested that that's the case i don't think that's going to happen because you and i have both said uh and i agree with it i mean i don't care what the name is one way or the other but uh, well, you're not emotionally. I, tied I know, to but it. I do agree with what you've maintained all along that it would be far more damaging to his fan base, uh, business-wise, to get rid of the name. But what I'm saying to you is, if we get through the next couple of years and there ain't much fan base left, and the TV numbers are now down to 11s and 12s for for regular season games in September and October, and you can't even draw 45,000 
to FedEx Field, and you don't have a stadium deal, and the team is See, continuing there, to bingo. lose. Wait, stop, stop. That you don't have a stadium deal. That's that's I think what they see as the tourniquet to cut off some of the bleeding is hoping that they can announce some kind of stadium deal. Well, maybe to announce that, that they're going to have to change the name. But 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 uh, my my point is I I think the stadium deal is uh, like in much more danger than it was a year ago. I know you do. I mean, I I I don't know what politician is going to want to stand up there right now on a podium and say that uh we're going to help uh whether it's infrastructure or giving him land, we're going to help this owner build a new stadium. I don't know any politician at this point Who's going to be willing to do that? Not when they're the fifth most hated company yes. in North yes. America. I mean, you think this doesn't hurt? I know. You think, I mean, people out there, they think this doesn't mean anything. They think, oh, this is just media stuff. Well, you know what? If you're the mayor of Washington, D.C., and you're reading this, and you're saying, this is who, this is, this is who I'm going to give the most valuable land in the city to along the river? I'm going to give it to this guy? What are you, crazy? You know, so I think the stadium deal... Has is really in danger right now. Well, more in danger. You, how- and, you and Liz said last week on this podcast, you don't believe that it'll ever get built. You you said that here. You and Liz both said that no one is going to give him the land in Virginia, D.C., or Maryland to build a stadium, and therefore it's more likely than not not going to get built, not without him basically writing the check for everything, buying the land, building the stadium, etc. I think. Uh, Given you- the current atmosphere, I would stick with that. The atmosphere could change. Maybe, maybe he goes Boy, on. You were adamant last well, week. Well, but on because this. I mean, right now, and I said I don't agree with either one of you, and I'm not suggesting that it's going to be easy. I know it's not going to be easy, but I think eventually somebody, Maryland or DC, one of the two, they're going to figure out a deal where they're contributing something to him. Uh, you know, building a stadium, whether it's the land or whatever it is, they're they're gonna they're, something's gonna gonna break on that. Where well, it's not the, him paying for every single cent. I think the atmosphere. And, He's got ha- more political friends than you think. The atmosphere had yeah, but but we're talking about uh, a Democratic state with a Republican governor who acts like a Democrat, mm-hmm. and you're talking about the District of Washington, one of the most liberal uh, uh, jurisdictions in the country. Um, so I don't think he has fr- friends. I, I and his biggest by the way, friend, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Hogan acts like a Democrat. Well, he sounds like a Democrat when he talks so, okay, occasionally, but he, I wouldn't put him in the in the uh, Connie Morella category. No. For those of of us who have lived in Montgomery County, she was a longtime Reco- a Republican congressman from our district. But he's far, she he, was a Democrat for all. He, he sounds purposes. a lot more like a Democrat than Bob Roark did when he was governor. I would I would agree with that. So. Um, but anyway, uh, I. I don't know about the stadium. All I'm saying is that... But I think that's the tourniquet that they're hoping will stop the bleeding temporarily, at least. Um, but, but I, I again, I'm, I still don't know how... It, the district took a, a big blow when they failed to get the federal legislation through uh, to, to uh, change the designation of the land to allow for commercial development. Mel Kuyper um, uh, put out his 1.0, his first version of the NFL mock draft. He did it earlier this morning. And he's still he's still the guy for me. 
I Mel. love I love Mel too. He's still the guy. I do love Mel. Yeah, and I like Todd McShay, and I read all of these you know mock draft stuffs because I think you get all these different write ups on different players, especially if you haven't seen them all or only seen limited you know games of of these players, and and you're getting a lot of information. And what's really interesting about the history of these mock drafts is how much they change. It's such a dynamic document. You know, it, it last year at this time, the early version doesn't look anything like the version today. And then after the Senior Bowl, um, you know, in Mobile next week, and then the Indy Combine, it's going to c- completely change again. Yes. I guarantee you right now there is somebody that Mel – there are three guys minimum that Mel hasn't even considered – for the first round, or he's got them rated as third round or lower prospects Probably. that'll work their way into the first round by the time we get to you know April. But anyway, the Redskins are sitting there at fifteen, and and we all know now that, or we all have this sense that they should be thinking quarterback anyway. Yes. Here's my position on this, and I've got to rely on Doug Williams and Kyle Smith because I'm certainly not relying on Bruce Allen. My fear here is that Bruce Allen will make this decision, that Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder are going to be intimately involved and really influential in this decision on what they do in free agency and in the draft. I hope that Doug Williams and Kyle Smith and true football people um, are evaluating these quarterbacks. So I, I say with that hope that if they really like somebody – Go for it this year. Like, if they really like Kyler Murray or Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or Will Greer, they're not going to be able to get Haskins. I would be surprised if Haskins isn't in the top five in this draft. He just looks the part. I am not a massive Dwayne Haskins fan, just as a football fan. I don't see him being this Locke NFL great or NFL starter. Um, but you know, time will tell on that. Kuiper's got him going number six to the Giants as the first quarterback taken. You know, I've seen other mock drafts that have him going mm-hmm. higher number and one. have Murray going number six to I, the Giants. Right. So he's got Haskins going six overall, um, and then the next quarterback is Kyler Murray to Miami at thirteen. Really? And then the Redskins are at fifteen with Atlanta in between Miami and the Redskins, and Atlanta's not going to take yeah. a quarterback. Uh, so. You, you know, you, you, the Redskins would be sitting there with the opportunity for Daniel Jones or Drew Locke or, or Will Greer. But Kuiper has them taking the outside linebacker from Florida, uh, Ja'Kai Polite, who is an absolute speed beast. All right. He is, I think he is the answer more than the answer to Preston Smith. And I'm not going to have a problem if the Redskins draft defensive playmakers or defensive interior again. I, I think you can't go wrong if you really like defensive players, you know, in, in, in this draft. There are some really good defensive players in this draft at 15. Back to my position on quarterback, though. I just want them to be totally sold on somebody as. It's not a marketing play. It's not a. It, it's not a. We hope. It's not a. We need. All right. It is. This is the guy, Daniel Jones or Will Greer or Drew Locke or Kyler Murray, that is going to be our starting quarterback for the next ten years. You've got to. You have to love somebody. You know, Mike Shanahan did not take a quarterback in the 2010 or 11 draft because he didn't like any of them, and right. they had a major need. 
He didn't like any of the quarterbacks in those drafts. And they had a need, for sure. This team can't reach for a quarterback if they don't love the quarterback. It is a need, but they've got other needs as well. What is their other major? You see, we've always disagreed on this, and you're you're in the majority of a lot of people. I think you do draft according to need, uh, as opposed to best athlete available, well, best player. Your available. guy Charlie Casserly will tell you that gets you in trouble. Yeah, well, I don't necessarily. I think most teams wind up do drafting need. I, th- I think they make this bogus claim that they, that was that's the best best player on the board. I think most of the time they draft what they need. Uh, what is the other than quarterback? What would be the position would be the greatest Redskins need? I think I think this team seriously has needed and still needs a true outside pass rusher. Yes. Really? Yes. What about wide receiver? Uh, this team needs a wide receiver too. It needs a guard too. It needs yes, a it tight does. end as well. Although Cooley loves Matt Flanagan and thinks that he's going to be a player for this team moving forward. I mean Jordan Reed. Who knows what Jordan Reed is? I don't think Vernon Davis is going to be on the roster next year. That's no, my personal opinion. But I still think that what's missing from this defense and has been missing for years now is a legit edge fear-inducing pass rusher. And there are some of those in the draft this year. And there will be some of those at 15, potentially, for the Redskins well, some, to take. People will tell you uh, who follow the NFL that in today's NFL – the two most important positions are quarterback and a, a home-wrecking pass rusher. Yeah, and the Redskins haven't had, really, a pass rusher since, I, I mean, we've had this conversation before, and everybody, and everybody will always say Dexter. I mean, they had some pass rushers after Dexter left here. Actually, Ken Harvey you know, was a great Ken pass Harvey rusher. Ken Harvey was an exceptional yes, pass rusher. True. Marcus Washington was a pretty good pass rusher. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just after Dexter left – you know, uh, Fred Stokes and Jumpy Gathers and Charles Mann were pretty damn good yes, pass rushers were. on the 91 team. But anyway, uh, Wilbur Marshall was a pretty good pass rusher when they sent him. But I I, I just want them, if they end up – by the way, if they, if they love a quarterback, I am not going to knock them if they trade up to a position to draft that quarterback. If they love Kyler Murray, if they really love him, and they're convinced that Miami's going to take them, and they decide to trade up to 12 or 11 or 10, you know, five spots, let's just say, to have the chance to draft Kyler Murray, I'm not going to have a problem with that. Now, if they have to draft up to one or two for Kyler Murray, I I would have a problem with that because I don't think Kyler Murray's worth that. But I do think he's an intriguing player, and I'm not, as I used to be, hung up on the height thing anymore. I think Russell Wilson has proven, you know, and Baker Mayfield to a lesser degree is proving, you know, in this day and age of football, Tommy, where a lot of the college stuff has prevailed and is prominent in the game. And and in this day and age where the pocket is moving so much. And the quarterbacks are, you know, consistently posed as dual threat. Yes. Um, I don't. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with Kyler Murray. I mean, I just, I don't know how high I'd trade up for him. Five spots, six spots, something like that, where you you potentially have to give up a second and a third to move up. Uh, if they you know, really love him, I'm not going to have a problem with I that. I don't know how you're going to be able to do this because those draft picks aren't going to be there. They're going to be in the deal to get Antonio Brown. <laughs> God. They're going to trade those away to get Antonio Brown. What do you think the number one? And then one... they're going to they're going to cut whatever they need to get under the salary cap 
to sign your guy, Joe Flacco, to be quarterback nah, for the Redskins. Flacco's not coming here. Flacco and no Antonio chance. Brown, baby. No chance. Flac- Think about that. Flacco should go to Jacksonville. Uh, DeFilippo is the... Actually, Nick uh, Foles should go to Jacksonville. DeFilippo is the, the OC in Jacksonville, right? Is that where he ended up, Aaron? Didn't DeFilippo just take the Jacksonville yes, job? Jacksonville. So that would potentially reunite him with Nick Foles. Yes. That that would pro- that that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. That team with a quarterback oh, yeah. is ready to win although, and win unless, big. Unless, but they had a lot more problems besides quarterback they did. this year. They did. And, they, but, they seemed like like a like a, a motorcycle gang sometimes. They they are and they've got some they've got some divas and they've got some some problems on that team, but they also have a ton of talent. Yes, they do. Ton of talent. Uh, all right, real quickly on Window Nation. Have you ever watched HGTV for home remodeling inspiration, or maybe you've attended a home show or two to brainstorm with local contractors? Well, if you have no time for home shows this season, and who does, Window Nation wants to bring the home show savings right to your door all this month. Call Window Nation today and mention Home Show Promo, and you'll get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. There is no limit. Plus, a limited time only, 0% financing opportunity for 18 months. Call today and get educated on the newest models and the latest innovations demonstrated right in the comfort of your own home, and it's absolutely free. I've talked about this before. If you're not sure about Window Nation or any window company for that matter, just call Window Nation. They're going to come out and give you a free estimate. Uh, by the way, you'll get factory incentives plus a once-a-year home show discount from the company that has installed over 450,000 windows in more than 80,000 homes, including mine. Let's get the show on the road. Get two free windows for every two you buy, plus 0% financing, 18 months. Call Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Uh, I did want to talk briefly about James Harden again. I know we opened up this conversation the other day. Last night he went for 58, Tommy. In two games... James Harden's gone for 57 and 58, 115 points. And here is the most incredible uh, statistic associated with those 115 points. Not one of those points has been assisted. It's all been him. All 115 points created by him. It's like watching a one-man show on Broadway. (laughs) It's incredible. But, Tommy, the one-man show ends up with 10 rebounds last night. And six assists. You know, he's fourth in the league in assists, too. I know. He's leading the league in scoring at 35.4 now per game. And he's fourth in the league in assists. And last night, you know, he didn't have one of those incredible three-point percentage shooting nights. He was five for 19 from behind the arc. But he was 21 of 23 from the free throw line. He gets to the free throw line easier and more effectively than any player I can remember in a long, long time. I still would take Westbrook over Harden, but what he's in the midst of doing right now is incredible. Listen to this one. He is right now the has the long, the fifth longest streak in NBA history of averaging more than 40 a game, 40 or more a game. Chamberlain 
is you know off the charts. Yeah. Five hundred and fifteen games consecutively. Of when you've averaging, averaged over fifty a yeah. game for a season, right? Well, that's eighty. It puts you in a different right category. Five hundred and fifteen consecutive games. Wilt had averaging more more than forty a game. All right, now into the world of of mortals. Elgin Baylor, thirty three consecutive games of averaging forty. Kobe Bryant. Remember Elgin Baylor. That that's that's in the two point era totally. I know. Yes. Oh, only the two point yes. era. Kobe Bryant, 23 consecutive games of 40 or more average. Rick Barry, 22 consecutive games of average. Again, two-pointer. Only, only two-pointers. Um, unless they're factoring in his ABA, but this is an NBA this stat. NBA. Yeah, it's NBA stat. And then now Harden, 20 consecutive games of averaging 40 or more. Now, he would have to really... I would imagine, I don't know what the average is right now of the last 20 games. It's not said in this story with this statistic, which um, would be helpful because it may take, it would probably take three or four poor games for him, like under 30, yeah. to bring that average down That's under 40. That's a poor 40. game. I so know. He, he may be on the verge of very easily passing Rick Barry and Kobe Bryant Yeah, for, you know, to, to put him in, in You that. know what? He is a heck of a horse player. No, he's more than a horse player, Tommy. Okay. A horse player is not needing to create the the opportunity to shoot the ball, to just shoot it, as you would say. That is a terrible, terrible analogy you just made. Okay. Horse is by yourself with nobody defending. James Harden has an entire defense geared to stop him. And he's not like floating around, coming off screens and having people dish him. No, he doesn't move in the around right a spots. lot. It's basically <laughs> it's basically that step back move. It is him or getting to the no, it's more than just a step back. Nobody gets to the rim like he gets to the rim. I get that, but when he's shooting from the outside, it, it's it's knocking a guy back on their heels. You, you're not appreciating this. Uh, no, I don't. Appropriately so. Um, so it's going to be hard to convince you. I am. I I just find that watching the Warriors and last night they did it again. You know they they put on another show against New Orleans. They scored a, a buck forty seven last night. Curry went for forty one last night. He's on a pretty good roll here recently too. I think his average is up to thirty a game, and he may be averaging in recent weeks more than forty. I'm pulling up his game log here because he's had forty plus a bunch recently. Forty one last night, thirty one the night before, forty eight the night before that. 28-14-42. Anyway, uh, Harden's last two games of 57 and 58 without having one point assisted is amazing. Yes, it is. It's It's wonderful. Really amazing. Yeah. How is that even possible? How don't – on a 58-point night, how don't you at least get – out on the break where somebody from the backcourt throws you a pass into the front court for a breakaway layup. Like, how isn't that two of your You points? have the ball all the time. You have the ball the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Wow. Um, that should be a familiar uh, concept for you. <laughs> no, I, I, I look to pass every once in a while. Um, he Who do they have next? They've got the Lakers next. LeBron's not back yet, right? He's still out. Uh, the, I heard he's got a groin injury. <laughs> yeah, he does. Did you see that other story too? That Kyrie Irving made the comment about the young players on the Boston team and learning how to win. Uh, I'm going to pull up the quote right now. Um, I think he. I think he. Uh, if I read somewhere that maybe he called LeBron or spoke to LeBron and apologized 
for being such a knucklehead. Exactly. For, because right. now but, he knows what LeBron was trying to do. Exactly. He he had said after a loss on Saturday that the reason is experience, we're lacking it, and because of that, we've got a lot of learning to do. Close quote. He, he took a shot at the young players on his team, and then after that, he called LeBron to, to basically apologize and yeah. say, sorry I was such a a difficult a difficult guy to get through to when I was younger. Well, and you it know, wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. And look, this this guy's a lunatic. If I was one of the younger players on the Celtics, I, I'd say, you know, I, I'm t- I'm afraid I'm going to wake up one day, step outside, and fall off the end of the world. <laughs> he did say that he thought it was flat, didn't yes. he? Um, I, uh, I the the NBA right now, Tommy. It is a great watch. Oh, God. it's such a good it's watch. Scene. I know it's. I know it's. You know, people will say this is just entertainment, and it's all this other it's stuff. It's the that, video game the, come the, to the, life. The, the basketball night in and night out to watch the skill level. All right, put aside the the changes in the game and the three point shot and all of that. The skill level. And I look, I'm sure you could have said that in the 70s and 80s compared to the guys in the 40s and 50s. You know, there's there's an evolution of physical maturity, of all of these things that lead to bigger, faster, stronger, but it's the skill level of the players today that is, to me, stands out. Steph Curry's ball handling and shooting ability in one body. Same goes for James Harden. The no, skill level you know of what? bigger players. You know, you're right. I, I used to feel that way when I'd go watch the Globetrotters play. <laughs> I felt the same way. You know what? There's a lot of Globetrotter skill in the game today. Yes. There is a lot There's of metal your lemon. There's your indictment indi- right there. It's not an indictment because oh, it's it because it's not an because, exhibition. Because one these was, games are not exhibitions. They're games. They're oh, competitions. I'd say they're exhibitions. No, they're competitions. Yeah. And and a lot of what metal lemon and curly Neal and help me out with some of the others. A lot of what they did ball handling wise is now being put into the actual competitive part of basketball. It's really, it is. The game sucks. You know what? You can say the game sucks, and I'm gonna. I'm, I can appreciate your perspective and those like you. What you can't debate is that we've never seen basketball skill at this level. And I will concede that perhaps this same comment's been made at various points in time in the past. You know, I, I look if you look at highlights of the NBA in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, it doesn't look anything like Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. No, you know, and and Larry Bird, but these guys don't look anything like those guys. It there, there are a couple of guys, a couple of guys like Carl Malone. Physically, I think you could take from his era and put into this era, and he'd look like the other big, strong power forwards. The Isaiah Thomas you could take and put into this era because he really was in a magical ball handler and scorer and shooter. Not at the range. Not He did not have the skill level. And maybe you'll say it's because he never had the green light and for some of his career didn't even have the rules. But you didn't have, you didn't have guys who were pulling up from 40 feet. And by the way, a coach not even bat an eye. Like it's Steph Curry will pull up in the in a, on a fast break on a one on four fast break he'll pull up from thirty five feet and shoot a three. I know. I I don't. So I, what's the point of the other four guys? 
Well, on their team, there's a big point to the other I get four that. guys. I get They're that. actually a that's a beautiful brand of yes, basketball I'll to get watch. That. I understand. It's sort that. of like San Antonio was yes. for a stretch. Yeah. Now, what Houston does, I'm not saying that the basketball is beautiful. I'm just saying that James Harden's skill level is otherworldly. It is. Right. We, and I, I guess I want something more out of basketball. I, I do too, but I can still appreciate the individual. And 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 the the unbelievable jump in skill level of this generation of basketball. And I players. guess I get angry because it's destroyed the sport that I love the most. You do love basketball. Yeah. Well, you played, yeah. you know, for the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was your game. Um, anyway, uh, I I still believe. By the way, when it comes to the competitive portion of this, not the entertainment portion of it, the competitive portion of it, I just can't see anybody beating Golden State in a best of seven. Probably not. I don't think it can happen. They are so beyond um, every other team when they play at their best. Listen, in the NBA, the best team usually winds up winning. It does. I mean, over seven-game series, over the the different levels it takes to get there, uh, coaching matters, uh, matchups matter, uh, talent uh, matters. The, the chances for an upset are very rare. Here's a question for you. Right now, we are in the midst of three incredible dynasties, although we, one of them was just derailed a little bit in Alabama. But we've had three of the greatest team sport teams in history. Golden State, Alabama in college football, and the Patriots yeah. and what they've been doing in the NFL. I don't think we really have anything to compare that to. Now, Golden State is is it's got a a big list ahead of them in basketball. What in terms of what? In terms of dynasties. Oh yeah, no, I'm just saying that right now, comparing right. these three yes. dynasties, we, you would admit that this is a dynastic yes. run yes. for Golden State. Okay, so which of the three is the best team? Like, which is the most impressive? Personally, I think it's the Patriots. For what you just said, that basketball, the best team always wins. Uh, college football, what Bama's done under Saban is is probably, it may be the greatest run unless you want to go back to some Notre Dame team of the 40s or well, Army yeah, team of the Bud, 40s. Bud or, Wilkinson or Bud Wilkinson's Oklahoma, Oklahoma teams in the 50s. Teams. Um, but I think it's the Patriots because of the way the sport that they play play is designed it's not designed for a dynasty it's designed for the opposite of a dynasty it's supposed to prevent a dynasty you know what's complicated about the patriots and i I agree with you but uh and this isn't their fault it's just the way it's happened they have played in the lamest they've had the easiest path to the postseason that's fair that's the criticism team because they're playing in the afc east yes it's it's a doormat, uh, you know. It's a doormat division, and the Patriots don't have. They can prepare for the playoffs from the first game of the year. I mean, they they can they can prepare for it throughout the whole season and game plan for it and be ready because they know they're going to be there. Now that said, once they get to the playoffs, they have unbelievable success. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, this is their eighth straight. AFC Championship yeah. game? Yes. Yeah. 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 They, they, the streak started in 2011. They beat the Ravens. They shouldn't have won that game, if you recall. Uh, what's his face? The kicker that kicked here for a brief moment. I'm, I'm forgetting. Cundiff? Yeah, Billy Cundiff. 
Oh, uh, Cundiff. <laughs> oh, Cundiff. He missed, you know, a point-blank field goal. Um, then it was the Ravens the following year, and they, they lost that one in the rematch of the AFC title game. Then they lost to Denver. Then they beat the Colts. Uh, they lost to Denver, uh, again, the, the Peyton Manning um, uh, Denver that year, right? 2016 is the Peyton Manning Denver. Yes. Am I right about that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then... And then they uh, beat the Steelers last year, uh, two years ago, and beat the Jags last year. So that's yeah. an, that is unbelievable. They're getting ready to play their eighth consecutive AFC Championship game. So I guess when you say, and the criticism always about New England's run here is going to be, they benefited from playing in a very weak division, which allowed them to cruise during the regular season and you know easily accumulate you know eleven to twelve to thirteen wins and get a, a first round bye in home field. And in fact, they have played the Brady era. He's 28 and 10 in the postseason. And of those 38 games, only seven have been played on the road. Only seven. This will be his eighth road and playoff think, game I on think Sunday. He's three and four in those three games. and four in yeah. road games uh, in the playoffs, which makes him um, at home 25 and six yeah. at home. 25 and six at home, right? If he's 28 and 10 overall. So. He has got it. I mean, the six that he's lost at home are seemed to be sort of flukish in some cases, except for Baltimore. Baltimore really laid it to him one year yeah. in a wild card round, but uh, but but still, so the, t- but I, still, Tommy, that doesn't explain their playoff success. I know, no, it I doesn't think, explain I think their of playoff the three, success. The except the for the impressive. home field piece of it, right? Except for the home field piece of it. The Patriots are, you know, to, to what? Since we're talking about since two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand one. Okay, for teams to to consistently maintain that level and not self destruct on their own. I know is is remarkable. It's, in, it's incredible. Yes, I mean not to have uh, again, and you 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 don't hear people leave New England and rip the organization. James Harrison just did an interview where he said he he went to New England hating Tom Brady. When he left, he said he was one of the best teammates he ever played with. So people don't leave the Patriots ripping them a new one. You know, what a, oh, you know, it was terrible to play here, terrible to play for the coach. You don't hear any of the noise that you hear at a Redskins park any Tuesday. Well, no. I mean, let's not. I mean, let's compare the Patriots to other great organizations. But, but again, I just you just to maintain that excellence. Well, they don't. When's the last time they had an Antonio Brown situation in Pittsburgh or a Le'Veon Bell situation? I mean, they've tried players like Josh Gordon that haven't worked out right. because of true personal yes. struggles. Yes. But you don't hear players like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown wanting out. Players of that quality. Am I right? I mean, I, I might be missing you know somebody. The, the one bizarre, biz, well, you know, look, let's not forget Spygate for one thing. I mean, you know, I mean, that is a little bit of a blemish. Uh, not for me. But okay. Go ahead. But, but I don't it, think it will they be. gained any significant advantage. If, if somebody's advantage. making a legacy, Spygate will come okay. up. The Aaron Hernandez stuff was pretty bizarre. Pretty bizarre. But Very again, bizarre. that's a that's a personal you know uh i guess the fact that they drafted somebody with that kind of personal yeah. you know characteristic yeah, I mean, and that, personality that, flaw that's a, that's a blip 
are, are we at the point when this legacy is written, when all of the all of this Patriot winning is done? Have we gotten to the point, hopefully, where we can just completely discount Deflategate as complete and utter bogus? Well, I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. You know, you and I have a different opinion about Deflategate. I think it was just it was all about getting the Patriots, uh, and Brady was just collateral damage. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't I, think I never disagreed with okay. you. I just disagreed. I, no, I, never, I just thought, I, I, thought, I, I the, thought entire, it, the, the entire the entire it was a farce. Uh, c- a case was bogus and a house of cards that completely came tumbling down yeah. around that um, around Goodell and why am I blanking on the name of the uh, the chief investigator? The Wells report. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, the Wells report. Wells. Yeah. I mean, it was a joke. Yeah. I mean, the guy basically put together a fifth grade yes. science project. I, I grant you that. Um, the uh, uh, anyway. Oh, one quick note on the game Sunday. You know how people have been talking all week about this brutally cold uh, Arrowhead, zero degree temperatures. Now the forecasted temperature for kickoff is twenty one degrees. So it's not going to be nearly as bad as they thought. Uh, uh, Belichick yesterday was asked <laughs> about the weather, and he said, yeah, "We'll we'll be there." No, basically, he said. You know, I'm playing in a championship game. I don't care where you play. Just yeah. tell me where to, sh- we'll where be to there. show up. We'll be there. Yeah. Uh, the the worst weather games that they've played in were some of those Colts games they played in in Foxborough that had snow falling during the game, some cold temperatures. The cold has never been an issue, I don't think, for the Patriots. I could be wrong. I didn't I didn't go look this up, but as many they're twenty eight and ten since two thousand one, and they've played as I just mentioned of those thirty eight games, thirty one in Foxborough in January. So yeah. they played in some cold games before. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to that game, I think, more than even the NFC Championship game. I'm actually glad that that is the second game of the night, um, the, 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 the 640 kick. Right. The, the Rams-Saints should be great. I think it will. It, it'll be great. But the, seeing seeing the Patriots on the road at Arrowhead against this quarterback, that fan base, they've been on the road, you know, as we've mentioned before, in some of these games. Denver's not an easy place to play. Pittsburgh... I don't know that Pittsburgh and Heinz Field in recent years has been incredibly intimidating. It's not an easy place to, to to play. Arrowhead may be, you may be able to make the case that this is the toughest road environment that the Patriots have gone into in the postseason. Yeah, it, it, it may be the case. You know, I still, I, you know I, Indy probably wasn't easy at Lucas Oil back in the day. Look, at, with I, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, so I can't talk about the games. Uh, well, I want you to make picks. Well, I am. I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I still like the Patriots to win uh, in Kansas City. I mean, I'm going with Tom Brady's uh, experience over Pat Mahomes' uh, inexperience in a situation like this. I think they'll both manifest themselves into uh, into uh, game-turning moments in the game. I, I'll, I'll save my picks for tomorrow, right. um, but I... I don't. I don't have a good feel for that game. I still. I told you early in the season. I did not think Kansas City would was good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. They're one game away, and they're playing that game at home, and they're favored to be in the Super Bowl. I they're mean, three point favorite. The defensive effort they showed last last week was was pretty impressive. I think it was very impressive for them. I just pointed out, and I had Mike Shanahan on the show on Monday, 
And he agreed with this. I just thought Andrew Luck looked completely okay. off. Yeah, he did. We talked you know, about yeah, this. So, I mean, talk, the 6 Brady's not guy gonna, who, Brady's not going to look off. No. You know, one thing I didn't point out about the game that they played against the Chargers, in just in general, when you think about the Patriots and the games they have lost in the postseason, and it, it's, I think, uniformly true. Uh, you think about the Ravens and the Giants in particular. The Giants beating them, you know, twice in, in Super Bowls. Um, and the Ravens beating them, I think more than any other team's beaten them in the postseason. I think that's true. Uh, I think that's true, at least in Foxborough. What do all of those teams have in common? They've been able to get interior pass rush. Brady has looked, he's looked normal as a quarterback when he gets pressure up the middle and he's forced off his spot. That's what's always derailed the Patriots is defensive interior pressure. Regular season, look at when the Dolphins have beaten them. They've gotten interior pressure. Uh, Playoffs, Ravens, Giants, interior pressure is what always seems to derail New England offensively. And I don't know that the Chiefs can get interior pressure in this game. They could get exterior pressure. They could get edge pressure. But the Patriots always, always scheme around that. They scheme for that, and they're able to handle that. It's the D-tackle that disrupts the play right from the snap yeah. as close to the quarterback as you can be defensively that has always given Tom Brady good trouble. Good point. Very good point. I, and I, the Chargers didn't come close to doing that last no. week. Didn't come close, and he absolutely crushed them. Crushed them. All right, so your picks are? Uh, again, I like New England, and I like I like the Saints at home. I just don't think uh, Drew Brees is going to lose at home, uh, no matter how great uh, a coach Sean McVay is. He's not going to lose to Jared Goff in, in the Superdome. I God, I I think both road teams have a chance. I think both road teams have a chance. I'll have my official picks on the show tomorrow. Um, You know, it's like last weekend and almost the weekend before, Tommy, about these NFL playoffs. Very few results would be shocking. None of the results on Sunday would be shocking. Any one of the four teams winning, no one's going to say, oh, I didn't see that coming. I mean, if New England wins, Kansas City wins, Saints or Rams. You know, the the Super Bowl matchup that, I mean, I think it would be cool to see Breeze and Brady. In a Super Bowl, yeah, you know that that would. But at the same time, I if think it's a lot Goff of people Mahomes, would like to see Mahomes and in and to see Super a rematch Bowl. of fifty four fifty one. Yeah, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, real quickly on Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax, they should be on your list if you're considering something new. Go to FarishCars.com right now to see their live inventory, live pricing, best deals. I've been friends with Ralph Perkins and Kevin Farish for over a decade. They're smart guys. They they really know what you want, and they're going to put their best sales effort out there. And they've got a great service team too. If you end up buying from them, uh, you're usually in and out uh, very quickly. Right now, they've got a ton of inventory on their lot from last year. They're trying to move it so that they can get new shipments in. Their best rebates of the year exist right now, specifically on four vehicles, the Jeep Cherokee, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the Jeep Wrangler, and the Ram Pickup. If you like this show and you've been thinking about buying something new, especially a Chrysler, Dodge, or or Jeep, or Subaru, they've got a Subaru dealership as well. 
Uh, I give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to Farish and ask for Ralph Perkins. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph when you get there. Tell him I sent you. You can find out everything you need to know about Farish at FarishCars.com. You'll see live inventory, live pricing, and their best deals right now at FarishCars.com. All right. Um, the, 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 the last thing I wanted to get to you is your Hall of Fame ballot. Yes. Which you're... Um, it comes out next Tuesday, the announcement. But before we get to that, what's going on with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? Why, is it my, my impression, and I'm not following day-to-day every single story, every single quote, but outside looking in as a sports fan, it just seems like the markets for both of these players are nowhere near where either player thought they would be. It, uh, well, I, we don't know what the players thought. We know what the media thought. And uh, media thought, including myself, both would be well over $300 million, like $300 million 10-year deals. Uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, and Buster Olney, ESPN, reporting that Machado's deal right now, the only the deal that's been made to him, one hundred seventy-five from the Chicago White yeah. Sox, and the agent went b- ballistic, saying it's not true. It's a reckless report. Uh, look, I know both of those guys; they're not reckless. Maybe somebody who is a credible source has given them bad information, but uh, I mean, th- those guys are as credible baseball writers a- as I know. Uh, Bryce Harper, Bob Nightingale has Harper in a Phillies uniform come opening day. That's what he said. He said uh, the Phillies have the money. They'll pay whatever they need to for Harper. Harper had a great meeting with the Phillies lunatic manager, Gabe Kapler. Uh, (laughs) Why? uh, Because he's a total analytics manager? Well, not just analytics. He's a little bit. He's Uh he's a bizarre guy. Uh, Okay. I I want to interrupt you right there because there are a couple of, of things that I want you to answer before you get into your prediction, which it sounds like you're heading towards. Are you surprised that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, I'll throw him into the mix here, that they haven't signed with somebody yet? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're three weeks from the uh, opening uh, of spring training. Yeah. I, I'm a little surprised that it's gone on this long. I mean, I, would, I actually thought that Harper would, would, would sign at the uh, winter meetings in Las Vegas in December. And that's like six, seven weeks ago. Right, so why haven't they signed? I don't know, Kevin. I could speculate and say that, uh, you know, the the agents of the players don't want to be the first one to sign the contract because then the other one will make sure that they get more. There's a lot of intramural competition here between the I thought it and, was assumed, though, that Harper was going to get a bigger deal than Machado to start with. Am it I has wrong? been assumed that. Okay. It has been assumed that. But... But if you're Machado's agent and you have a team that wants him bad and and Harper's contract has already been signed, you try to squeeze that out of, out of the team that want him, wants him bad. And apparently that's not the case. And Machado, you know, may have hurt himself with uh, his, uh, you know, lack of hustle antics and, and all that as well. On Harper, you predicted the Dodgers. All yes. along. And when they traded Kemp and Puig, I was like, Tommy's right. They're clearing the space. And now it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. They're not being named in any reports. Uh, there's supposedly some kind of mystery teams 
but it's a mystery as to what they who they are. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Dodgers. I'm going to. There was a story that came out uh, by Bob Nightingale of all people uh, talking about uh, how the Dodgers are are about to take a major step forward aggressively business wise in their marketing of their team because of the landscape in Los Angeles has changed so dramatically in the past 10 years. Uh, and the competition for the entertainment dollars now includes, you have two basketball teams, right? You have a hockey, you have two hockey teams, you have two NFL teams, you have two major college football teams. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why I thought, and you have LeBron, Coming yeah. to L.A. Yeah, well, he's there. Right. Yeah. So this is why I thought that the Dodgers, in part, w- would be more involved in uh, the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. And until he signs, uh, I'm not counting him out. Now, now Nightingale, who, again, who I trust a lot, doesn't mean he's right. Uh, he says the Nats never made another counter offer to Harper, as uh, ESPN reported. And they're pretty much out of it. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Are the Nats still in it or I not? don't know. Night- I, I Nightingale's don't. always had really good information yeah. as it relates to the but Nationals. It, do- it doesn't mean he's right. Right. doesn't mean he's right. I just uh, uh, – that that's the status of, of it right now. Are the Yankees – typically in these situations, the Yankees are always a part of the conversation. Are they a part of this conversation or not? Or could they sneak into, into this they conversation? They could always sneak in. I, I, look, I'm sure uh, – You mentioned a mystery team or two. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, before the before the ink is signed on any contract, either agent is calling uh, the Yankees and saying, hey, this is it. You want my guy. This is the deal. Of course, you, you make that call to the Yankees. Um, ultimately, uh, give me you, you think it's the Dodgers, and give me the number for Harper. Is it is it Stanton territory, three hundred and twenty five million or whatever? Wasn't that three hundred and twenty five million? Yeah, Aaron? over thirteen years. Yes. Yeah, is it that? Is it at that level or less than that? I think it's at that level, but uh, over less years. Okay. Does it, ha- it does it happen this week? Next week, when is it going to happen? It's got to happen within, like I said, we're three weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Right. I'll say this: Max Scherzer signed on Conference Championship Day when he signed with the Nationals. Okay, that was that's this Sunday. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it happens real soon. Uh, and you got to think if it's let's say let's say Bryce Harper's offer is ten years, three hundred and twenty million dollars. It would seem kind of foolish if the Nationals were serious about their 10-year, $300 million offer. That they wouldn't come up. That they bit. wouldn't come up with another $2 million a year, basically. Right. It's what we're talking about. Yep. So, All right. So tell me about uh, the 2019 Hall of Fame ballot. Tommy is a Hall of Fame voter. You have been for how long now? Uh, I've been a Hall of Fame voter for 14 years 14 now. 14 years. All right. Yeah. So tell me. Uh, who's on the ballot? You know, I think I read something about Halliday and Rivera, Mariano Rivera. He's got to be a, a lock. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about what you know. Okay, y- well, ballot. here's my ballot. Okay, uh, and I wrote a column about it in the Washington Times, but I also wrote more about Harold Baines, who already be- was elected by the uh, Modern Era Committee, the o- the old Veterans Committee. Uh, but here's my ballot: Roy Halliday, Jeff Kent, who uh, is not going to get in. But uh, 
was one of the most prolific second basemen in terms of run production we've ever seen. I think he had over 100 RBIs five times in his career. Edgar Martinez, probably the best designated hitter uh, of, of, of baseball history, uh, with Harold Baines right there with him. Fred McGriff, uh, who is getting jobbed because of the ster- inflated steroid numbers mm-hmm. that make his less than 500 home runs look less impressive. Mike Messina, 270 career wins, half of them with an, with an Orioles franchise that ha- half of those years had losing seasons in an American League uh, with the designated hitter in the steroid era, the best pitcher I ever saw day in and day out. Mariano Rivera, Omar Vizquel, the best shortstop I've ever seen play. And that includes Ozzie Smith. What are the rules? Around, how many people can you vote for? Up to 10. Okay. I voted for nine. Billy okay. Wagner, a lights-out reliever, and Larry Walker, a great outfielder for the Montreal Expos and Colorado Rockies. No Barry Bonds, no Roger Clemens, no Manny Ramirez. Andy Pettit? Uh, no, no Andy Pettit. Uh, I don't vote Did for— Did you have Roy Halladay on your list? Yeah, I had okay. Halladay. Okay. Yeah, he was the first one I had. Uh, those guys— have circumstantial connections to performance-enhancing substances. Um, I'm not voting those guys in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds admitted he used uh, uh, PEDs but in, in grand jury testimony but said he didn't know what they were. Clemens was named in the Mitchell Report, and I, t- I, I, I believe what uh, his accuser, Brian McNamee, said. Uh, Manny Ramirez is a two-time... Uh, was suspended twice, twice for, for PEDs for P, for violating baseball's drug policy, and the line I draw on the sand is somebody said to me, "Well, why didn't why did you vote for Mike Piazza or Ivan Rodriguez? They're suspected of using steroids based on their size, based on their numbers, based on their performance. That's it. There's no document. There's no court document. There's no testimony." There is no investigation that links any of them to uh, performance-enhancing substances. So I voted for those guys. Where are we? Uh, where is the Hall of Fame um, voting uh, group right now on Bonds and Clemens? Uh, they inch up every year. And I think they got three years left after this year. I think they might both get in. Really? Yeah, it's getting close. Not this year, though. No, uh, not this year. Right now, they're pulling at about seventy-three percent with the known ballots, and that'll go down with the unknown ballots. Yeah. So they'll they'll end up in the high sixties probably yeah. this year. Which is what, which I mean, kind of like a little bit edge up from what they were. But once you get past Derek Jeter next year, the classes that they'll have to compete with of newcomers, yeah, they're not they're not that impressive. Oh, really? I mean, part of what happens is. You not only compete with the guys who have been on the ballot, you have to compete with the newcomers for votes. It's hard to get 75%. A lot of people only vote for three or four guys. I usually vote for 10. I voted for nine this time. So I think that there's a chance that those guys might get in in the next two years. And I think I think it'll cause irreparable harm to the Hall of Fame. I think you'll see Hall of Famers stay away from the induction ceremonies from now on because they won't, don't want to share a stage with the cheaters. Joe Morgan made it clear last year that the membership does not want Barry Bonds or Clemens in the Hall of Fame. If they get in, and if that's what the voters decide, fine. 
that's 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 it. it you know, I'm not going to turn it into a holy war, right? Like the critics have, if you don't vote for these guys, uh, but they may get in, which kind of surprises me. What about Kurt Schilling? He was a borderline guy who whose whose resume, whose ticket in is his 11 and two postseason right. record. But Kevin, we're not talking about robots. We're talking about writers who vote, and when you come out. And and align yeah. yourself right. with a social media, uh, you know, uh, notice that that playfully advocates lynching of of newspaper of of, of writers. Right. He didn't help himself. You're, you're going to hurt you if you're a borderline guy. Here's here's what I always said. Uh, like Eddie Murray. Look, Eddie Murray's not in the same category. Eddie Murray's a great guy, but he he and the writers. Did not get along. Eddie Murray and Art Monk had some similarities, right? Yes, yes. But, but no, it's, but you have to, if you're going to play by your own rules, you have to be so good right. that they can't ignore you. Just out of curiosity, is Miguel Tejada even a. He's on the ballot. He he's is. Gonna, he's going to fall off already. Okay. I think this, he, he's going to fall off this year, I think. Uh, All right, so you feel good about your ballot? Yeah, I do. I, I do feel good what's about the, my ballot. Have you ever voted for 10, and, and what's the least number you've ever voted for? Is there a minimum? No, there's no minimum. So there, it's just up to 10? Yeah. So what, I usually I, I can't recall. I'd have to go back and look at them. I don't think I've ever voted for less than nine. I mean, I've always been pretty – like I voted for Davy Concepcion when he was on the ballot. I thought he was the best shortstop of the 70s. I voted for Dale Murphy – Two-time MVP. Neither of those guys got in. Uh, Murphy will probably get in at some point with the Veterans Committee. Uh, Mariano Rivera is the only lock. Am I right about that or not? I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. I'm thinking Halliday is because of his, uh, you know, because of the tragic circumstances surrounding right. his death, and he he was a dominant he was a dominant pitcher. Okay. I mean, his cumulative numbers. I think he has 208 career wins or something like that. 203. But uh, one of the things I wrote about was, I mean, how disgusted I am with this whole process because of the attacks by losers out there uh, <laughs> of of people who who make decisions on a player just based on the player. Like the Harold Baines decision by the Modern Era Committee I'm sorry, but Harold Baines is worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. And people will say, well, what about Edgar Martinez? What about Richie Allen? What about uh, Fred McGriff? Yeah, you know, you want to make the case of that, but that's the whataboutism. That's what we suffer from. That has nothing to do with Harold Baines. In other words, like you're going to keep a guy out because other guys aren't getting in? Right. That's ridiculous. I'll be there. When Harold Baines is inducted in Cooperstown, by the way, I'll be there for that. And I used to vote for him when he was on the ballot. He, he was, but a, it was he, a small. I was a small minority. What was most his writers did not vote for him. I remember him as being a clutch postseason performer. Am I right? He didn't have that many postseason appearances. Uh, but in his in in the appearances he had he, as a pinch hitter in in particular, didn't he have some big hits? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I, I could be thinking of somebody else. I think else. you're thinking of somebody else. All right. Um, he was. A, he was the. I tell you what. I know guys who played with him, Hall of Fame guys, and each one of them would say 
that's the guy you want up going going to the plate with the game on the line. This guy's going to put that bat on the ball. And, and you know, that's what I'm talking. That's the difference between yeah. information and knowledge. Real quick, yeah. Barry Larkin uh, was a borderline guy. He had 299 career batting average, was a National League MVP, but uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to vote for him. And then I talked to uh, a couple of his old Reds teammates who told me stories about what an impact in the clubhouse he was, what a leader he was, how how important he was to them. That put me over the top. Yeah. That was the difference maker. Information. Yeah, that's knowledge. No, that's knowledge. No, that's knowledge, right. That's knowledge. That's not information. <laughs> Information's all those numbers yes. that get crunched. Yeah, and three right. of the six ca- criteria for the Hall of Fame have nothing to do with performance. Uh, two things before we uh, leave you today. Number one, yesterday on the show – um, we had Jeff Ehrman on uh, from Inside Maryland yes, Sports. I'm familiar with Jeff. And, and we were talking Jalen Hurts, you know, about the possibility. And Vegas's odds had Jalen Maryland as the leader to, to land Jalen Hurts. This is the second time this week. We did the whole Greg Williams yeah. thing, and then right when we left the studio, the, it got announced Greg I Williams know. had signed in yesterday. Within minutes after posting the podcast, Jalen Hurts committed to Oklahoma. Look, I mean, it's come on. I mean, that's what I said to Jeff yesterday. I'm like, it's Oklahoma. It's the last two quarterbacks were transfers and they won the Heisman Trophy in Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. And they're almost guaranteed, it seems like, to be in the playoff. Although Texas is really good next year uh, in the uh, the Big 12. Um, The other thing is, uh, I don't know if you saw this story. um, Chris Thompson, the Redskins running back. Yes, I saw that. About Adrian Peterson? He tweeted out the following funny story. When AP, Adrian Peterson, was on his visit here, I introduced myself to him and assumed he knew who I was based on how well I played the previous season. As we were talking, he said, you play cornerback, right? That's funny. And Chris Thompson said, my heart dropped. He's, awesome. he's a really good guy. He is a great guy. They say that this team actually has some really good guys who should be the core, could be the core of a winning team. Yes. You know, Chris Thompson, Chris Thompson John Thompson Allen. deserves better. Yeah. He's um, a good guy. And when he's he healthy, he deserves he's better. a force of nature on offense. I think he, I mean, the season he was having in 2017 before the injury in New Orleans was really, you know, he was in that discussion of the top three to five guys is the third down you know pass receiving back out of the backfield oh yeah he was he uh, when they lost him in that new orleans game you know for all intents and purposes their season ended on that day you know to coupled with the fact that they blew the 15 point lead uh in the final two minutes of the game three minutes of the game uh all right so your picks are in uh you've got the saints and the patriots i will see you on tuesday have a good weekend. Uh, weather-wise, I think we're going to be all right. Good. I think maybe a little snow tonight, nothing major. And then over the weekend, it's still up in the air, but I think it's going to be more uh, more rain with maybe a little bit of snow on the back end. That could change, though. That could, that, that could change, just like last week's forecast changed. And right now the plans are not to have Sue Palka on the show tomorrow because I don't think we have a big storm to talk about for the weekend. But again, that could change between now You've gotten and tomorrow. You've soft in your old age when it comes to weather prediction. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever remember you, you saying that could change so much. Oh, I, it, it defi- I definitely have been on the waffling uh, weather right. list. Just like all the guys out there. Like, you know, one day they're t- the, the best thing about these weather people is they'll tell you after the fact they got it right. Yeah, they got it right as the storm was in progress. They didn't get it right for the three or four days that preceded the storm. Anyway. 
Uh, thanks to Aaron. Scott, I think, will be on with us tomorrow. Um, and yes, I did see his very moving tribute to yes, his so father. Um, and as one of his very close friends for a long time, I know how much his father meant to him. And it, it was it was so well done. If you haven't seen it, it's all over the internet. But he took his one last thing, uh, one big thing that he does on the show, on the Sports Center show, and he he did a tribute to his father, who 31 years ago, January 15th, um, passed away at a very young age. Anyway, have a great day.